Welcome to another episode of Me and My Teen and the News here in mid-June 2021. Me, I'm Tim, and my teen, that's Ben. He's sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. He does that a lot when we talk. Sometimes we talk when he's upstairs in his room and I'm downstairs and I just yell and yell and yell and then he answers back, I'll be down in a minute. Or And then two hours later he shows up because he's hungry. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. So speaking of being a teenager, uh, big news for Benjamin, who just this past week got his second vaccine shot. And it felt great, right, Ben? It felt good to be vaccinated against COVID. Like how I physically felt, I felt like crap. Yeah. Talk about those feelings a little more. It kind of felt like I had the flu. Yeah. I wasn't sneezing. I was just really, really tired and really, really cold. Yeah. And uh, didn't want to move around much. Your your arm sore? Mm, a bit. So this has been three days since the vaccine, right? Yeah, I don't really have any side effects symptoms anymore. It was about two days, about 48 hours of just feeling really pretty crummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now... You're vaccinated. Uh-huh. Does that change how you feel when you go out and you're around people? Yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, let's do some comparison. Like, you were one shot vaccinated when we were in Florida recently. And uh, were you nervous when you there were crowds of people around? Eh, kind of slightly. Mostly for Hank and Ollie, my little brothers, because they're not vaccinated. They're too young for the vaccine. That's right. But, you know, of course, the, the they're young enough that the virus doesn't seem to affect them all that much if they do get it. Yeah, but still. But now you feel like for you, you're totally fine. You can go into a grocery store and eh, probably, be around a crowd. Well, it takes about a week and a half to uh, for the vaccine to really kick in, you know? Yeah. So you've been going to you're back at uh, soccer practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, your teammates vaccinated? Uh, a decent majority of them are. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, some of the freshmen aren't. Yeah. I guess. They're still on the young young side of the... They're still kind of on the younger side, yeah. Some of them just haven't gone because they've been too busy with work and soccer and stuff. Oh, yeah, we were going to get you a job. What happened to that? Eh, it kind of all fell apart when you realized how lazy I am. Yeah, that's true. But equally lazy, it's it's around your soccer schedule, and the fact that we have to drive you to any job, I think, was the big stumbling block. But next year, when you can drive yourself, I think it'll be good for you to get a job. But I'll have soccer. And you can get a job. When I was your age, I played sports, and I had two jobs, and I went to school. Well, I only had two jobs in the summer, to be fair. Uh, I worked one job in the... Uh, during the school year. What job was that? How'd you make time for it? Well, I worked uh, nights in a restaurant. Yeah, uh, but I have soccer games and practices at the night. Well, it was part-time. I wasn't 40 hours a week. It'd be like two nights a week or something like that. Yeah, but I don't want to work in a restaurant. No one does. That's why restaurants constantly need hiring. Like, you know, they constantly are hiring people. I mean, who would want to? The work is hard and grueling, the pay is terrible, and you have to deal with annoying customers all day. Not all of your customers are annoying, and it can be great to work in a restaurant environment, especially when you're committed to a great experience for people, people like cooking for others, you know, 
Unless you're at McDonald's where they don't cook at all. Well, that's not true and not fair. And we we'll, guess no. we'll just cancel our trip to go get McDonald's to sponsor our podcast. I don't think they were going to. Hey, you never know. We're very sponsorable, by the way. For all of you out there with money who want to sponsor a podcast, just give us a call. We're listening. Mm-hmm. Like you're listening to us. That's right. I guess we're not really listening so much as talking. Ah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of talking, the big talk this week, uh, President Biden's big trip overseas, big meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin and the fallout from that. Uh, have you been inundated with news about the president's trip? Eh, kind of. Yeah? It was pretty uneventful. You know, it was boring, which compared to Trump, pretty much anything Biden does is boring. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a complete media firestorm over the president saying anything controversial. Well, that's true. That is something that is different. Now, of course, from a media business perspective, controversy is good because controversy means eyeballs and eyeballs mean advertisers and advertisers mean money. But uh, I did see some interesting media coverage. In particular, there was a question asked by an ABC News reporter of Vladimir Putin in a joint news conference. I don't know if you saw this or not. I didn't know they had joint news conference. They did, and this reporter mentioned the political dissidents who have been arrested by the Russian government and the ones who have been banned from running in elections. And she, this reporter, mentioned that and then asked Vladimir Putin, what are you so afraid of? Why do you keep locking people up? What are you afraid of? Which I thought was a really clever way to ask a question and bring... Yeah, because Putin likes to... Uh, portray himself as a strong man. Right. And so asking it, like, what his fears, you know, and he, of course, couldn't give a good answer to that question because the answer is sort of obvious. He's afraid of political instability and being removed from office or losing some power. So he deflected. Then politicians are good at that. Right. Well, they that's what he that. always does when he's right. questioning about human rights. It's like, the U.S. says you're bad at doing human rights. And then they say, well, the U.S. was pretty bad at it in Vietnam, so I think we're A-OK. Yeah, I think there's nothing about that. I mean, Guantanamo Bay is still open for prisoners who've never ha had a trial. Um, So-called enemy combatants from a war that we're not fighting. They're not part of an army. So, you know, you could make a case that the United States record on human rights is not great. Although, we plus we did the whole slavery thing for like a hundred well, years. That wasn't we, that was people 150 years ago. Eh, well, the United States did. Yes, yes, but I like to, I prefer to blame Britain for that if I can. Why is it Britain's fault? They started it. No, it's, no, the Dutch did. The Dutch started it? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah, with uh, the spice trade. But they seem so nice with their wooden shoes and everything. Eh, no, well, back in the day, they were evil. Well, how about that? So, for those of you who don't know, we're mostly being sarcastic, and we generally only do stereotypes to be funny. Not because they're real. There are many Dutch who do not wear wooden shoes. Just pointing that out in case you did not know that. Yeah, so, back to Biden's yes. trip. He met with NATO and said, hey, NATO's a good thing. Which is a stark contrast from Trump, who really didn't like NATO for whatever reason. Well, uh, there, well, perhaps one might say because of foreign influence upon the Trump presidency, there might be reasons not to like NATO for him. But he did have some legitimate points in that the U.S. pays by far the most for NATO to operate. And yeah, but in terms of per capita, we actually lag behind a few countries. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. 
Yeah. I thought I did not know that. I assume we paid so much more than everybody else that. Uh, yeah, because we're the largest of them. Like, I don't know how many people live in NATO countries. I'd estimate around 500 million. Hmm. That, that seems, probably sounds about right. Yeah, and 330 of them live in the United States. Yeah, your, United your estimate's probably a little low then. But all right, fair enough. I never thought about it on a per capita basis. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's why... I mean, we do spend a much greater part of our GDP on the military than any other nation. Except North Korea. Right. That's true. They're not part of NATO. Yeah. Or part of anything, really. Yeah. So, uh, when you and your soccer friends get together, do you sit around and talk about uh, foreign policy and the change in the administration? No, we don't. We're all too tired. <laughs> From blank soccer? Mm-hmm. And doing your weightlifting workouts for soccer? Yep. I see. So, anything else about the president's trip that uh, you found interesting or unusual? Or I just kind of want to know what's it like sitting down with, you know, a dictator and trying to actually talk in a way that you're both not screaming at each other. Oh, that is an interesting question. And that does get right to complex understandings of U.S. foreign policy. Like, how did Trump meet with Kim Jong-un and say, yeah, I'll give this guy legitimacy, that's a good idea. I mean, why even talk to him? It's not going to, like, talking to Putin isn't going to magically change, you know anything well i mean you never know it was talking between reagan and gorbachev that began perestroika and the big thaw and the ability for millions of people who would live under communism to be freed um and so talking can make a difference but it is the political back and forth we go for a long time where it's hey that country is bad they do bad things we should not acknowledge their existence to um they've been in power for 20 years maybe this ignoring them thing isn't making them go away so maybe we should talk to them and see if we can get them to change yeah but like you know is it worth talking to them well it could be i mean that was the argument around iran and the nuclear deal uh brokered under the obama administration uh technically the united states and iran have no direct um, communication. It all goes through the Swiss embassy. But a period of saying we are not engaging whatsoever did no good. It just made people build up their walls and have more anger. Um, and then the question of does bringing people to the table, getting them to talk, make a difference in the world? But the other part of that is does it legitimize bad actors? And the U.S foreign policy has been very complicated. We'd like to believe that our government supports the countries that do things the right way, true democracies, but really our government generally acts in self-interest. And so if there's a dictator who's mean to his people, but nice to us in an oil-rich part of the world, well, we're likely to help him stay in power as opposed to let a democratically elected leader come forward who might be hostile to the United States. Yeah, we did that a lot. Cough, yeah. cough, Latin America. Yes, and Iran. And so I guess things. it's a really complicated issue. Right. And I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the U.S.-Russia thing, except that uh, we haven't hated each other this much since the Cold War. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. 
That's probably quite true. And it, it's not just really the United States versus Russia, too. There's an idea of the Russian oligarchy undermining the West. Um, and that really centers in London, where lots and lots of very rich Russian emigres um, now have very expensive housing and have bought a lot of the London real estate to have a place to live outside of Russia to keep their money safe from the Russian government, which, you know, can at a moment's notice say, you never mind, I know you're a tycoon, but the government's taking all your money because Vladimir Putin doesn't like you anymore. Um, so they put it in Western banks, and then they spread influence over Western governments. Yeah, Russia also does that through hacking. They uh, do a lot of that. You know, fascinating article about hacking, which is run largely by criminal syndicates. And <laughs> in fact, you can rent out hacking now. Uh, you can actually, we assume that everybody's behind the ransomware or whatever. It's just like the hackers themselves. No, it's hackers. There's like a form. There's a customer service center. You can go to one of these or mafia-run organizations, generally these criminal syndicates, and say, hey, I'm going to do some ransomware against so-and-so, and you use their services, they take a percentage, you get your percentage, and there you go. It's like a legitimate business almost. And that's how the Russian government's treating it. It's like, you know, Putin says, hey, the Russian government didn't do that. That was Russian companies, which we're turning a blind eye to. No, you know. So I, you see, I've tried nothing, and I'm all out of ideas on how to solve this problem, Biden. Well, I guess I'll just have to give up and let these hackers continue. Ah, shucks. Yeah, because, you know, the U.S. government has never spent any time turning a blind eye to what American companies or American criminal organizations are doing overseas. Eh, probably. Yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, to yes. say the least. Yes, but I do think that there is, it's worth it for us to not just say, U.S. good guy, Russia bad guy. Everything flows from that because that doesn't really get us anywhere. That did make for a good series of Rocky movies. Um, yeah, but taking the time to think, all right, are there valid points here? And separ separating the Russian government from the Russian people and the American government from the American people is an important step too. Yeah, and what was I going to say? Oh yeah, so Russia is like you know. It's still a pretty big player on the world stage, That's even right. though its economy isn't that big. I mean, it just has a lot of land. Well, a lot of land and natural resources and money and military power and regional influence and really worldwide influence. Yeah, but I mean, Russia's kind of second to China. Don't tell Russia that. That'll make them very mad. Yeah, I know. But, like... <laughs> What are we going to do about China? Is what? Well, why should we do anything about China? They make this, They make most of the stuff we buy, and all of that stuff is crap. Not that's not true. Uh, but yeah, they're doing China doing well in and of itself economically does not mean it's bad for the United States. It's not a competition, a zero sum competition. If we are all every nation raising our standard of living then it's a win for everybody. It's not just about who has the best. Well, right? it's also the economic competition and, of course, the fun human rights abuses. Well, yes, yes, uh, which really are tragic in so much of the world, and we have so much work to do here in the United States. Yeah, and, I mean, China 
the thing is, we can't stop China doing, you know, human rights abuses because its economy is so powerful. Like, with other smaller countries, like, you know, Syria or North Korea. Really? Have, have we stopped them from human rights abuses? Yeah, we haven't stopped Have we them. stopped anybody? Ourselves? Maybe. Potentially. Hmm. Yeah, but, like, with other countries, we can at least do something with, you know, economic sanctions and all that. Yeah. With China, if it's like, okay, China, uh, can you stop using slave labor? Oh, no? Well, okay, then, we'll just, we'll just sanction you. That'll work, right? No, oh, no, the world economy collapsed? No. Yeah. Like, we can't do anything because they're that powerful now, economically and well, militarily. And the companies, you know, Nike certainly underwent a, a campaign of mistrust after it was revealed what workers in Southeast Asia were being paid to make $100 pairs of athletic shoes. Um, but they're still around. And at some point, the government's kind of like, oh, Nike, you shouldn't do that. What's that? Oh, a, a campaign check? Oh, okay, Nike, we'll, you know, do better. Uh, yeah, how is having money in politics still legal? Because the government can't tell you not to spend money on politics. They can't tell you not to say things. That would be dictatorial. I guess, but... Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, foreign Wait, policy... Wait, I have what? an idea. I have an idea to you solve do? the money problem. So every senator now has to wear a jacket with all the companies that sponsor them. <laughs> Ah, it's sort of like NASCAR. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I would like to see that. Well, transparency in campaign finance used to be, and still is an important thing, but it used to be a lot easier to do before Citizens United. What's you, Citizens United? That was a ruling that said corporations are, based, are people too, and you can't stop anybody from spending money because money is speech when it comes to politics, and therefore the political action committees gained whole new powers and most of the money now spent on campaigns is not spent by the campaigns but by political action committees who are not working with the campaign but working alongside the campaign without communicating with the campaign to spend money destroying their opponents so why don't we just say hey political action committees you have to tell us where you get that money from because the supreme court said they don't really have to they so there are some transparency laws but not like it used to be and it's certainly feasible for for companies to and donors to completely hide their identity. Uh, in fact, there were quite the, quite a few scandals early on when this first started because companies would donate there let's say if there was a limit of $250 before it had to be reported as campaign financing by individuals, they would donate $249 in the name of every employee in the company, which would be a way for someone like Walmart to say here you go. Here's a $400 million in uh, campaign donations, but it's not from Walmart. It's from all these individual people who don't know they donated it. <laughs> uh, should that be legal? Probably not. Probably not, but it's... We should make an entire podcast series of American laws called Should That Be Legal? The answer, probably not. <laughs> but, I mean, with these political action committees, that Supreme Court ruling seems kind of dumb. I mean, if I showed up if I came home one day with a briefcase full of $40 million and you said, Hey, uh, where'd you get that money? And I said, Oh, uh, just some guy, but I won't have to disclose it to you. It's my right to not disclose it. I mean, that seems kind of shady. 
Um, welcome to politics. Yeah, it was it was a controversial ruling at the time, and it definitely did a lot for media for television because it opened the floodgates of television ad spending during political campaigns, and frankly, is the reason why television news stations still have as many employees as they did a decade ago, while newspapers and radio stations have cut dramatically. Oh, I thought it was Political because money. people like TV better. Well, you know, they're still the advertising model and whatnot, but because of political advertising money, TV has managed to stay afloat with still large profits every couple, every other year, typically, and only in hotly contested states. The difference between, you know, a state that has contested political elections and one that does not can mean tens of millions of dollars for like for example a tv station in you know jacksonville Mm -hmm. versus one in birmingham alabama perhaps although you know the the runoff election in georgia uh the two dual senate runoff elections uh that happened in georgia earlier this year those generated something in the neighborhood of a hundred million dollars in ad spends in the state of Georgia, uh, which meant that the bigger TV stations in Atlanta, probably just from those two races, made, you know, 20, 30, maybe $40 million. Huh. But if you were in Birmingham, you didn't get any of that money. Of course not. It's Alabama. It's super conservative. But, you know, Missouri, where I worked at one time, at the time I worked there, was a toss-up of the state and so we would get a lot of money from national campaigns now it's not really a toss-up anymore and so the tv stations there miss out on the millions and millions and millions of dollars oh. to get every political cycle so that's all interesting things about where the yeah speaking of politics and funding elections there's a election audit in arizona <laughs> uh, last i heard they had moved it to a hidden cabin in montana wait they had yeah it's- I thought they they were still doing it in gym. I don't know. It, yeah, it's run by the highly reputable cyber ninjas who have never done anything like this. Yeah. Their only qualification is that they love Trump. Like, what happens if the results of this audit come back and they say, oh, hey, uh, yeah, Trump won according to our completely legal audit? I think nothing will happen because people know how ridiculous it is. Even Trump supporters know how ridiculous it is. Really? They do? Yes. Huh. Most of them. Yeah. Some of them. Many of them. Hopefully. Do you see the other, big, the other big news for the Supreme Court? Uh, which one? Well, let's see. They've uh, held upheld the Affordable Care Act. Yeah, that's a good Again. thing. Well, yeah. I so, think at this point, yes, I think it's better than the alternative of dismantling it in a free-for-all in the healthcare economy. Yeah, what, what would be the alternative? Okay, everything's privatized now. All right, companies, we're going to trust you not to charge people exorbitant fees, but we're not going to do anything about it, so be good. Right. Yes, that would be lousy. And a big ruling in the Supreme Court upholding the Catholic Church in the city of Philadelphia, who had decided that in its adoption agencies was excluding same-sex couples. The city of Philadelphia dropped them as an agency to help with adoptions and foster care. And uh, there was a lawsuit over that, and the Supreme Court decided with the Catholic Church in that case. And so that's a really interesting idea of a city government who thinks it's trying to be more inclusive, but was at the same time uh, 
being exclusive and inclusive. Right, right. And meanwhile, caught in this battle, of course, are the thousands of children every year who really do need someone to care for them and the lack of people out there who realize that there is a need and are able to help them. I mean, people who have been the foster parent for dozens and dozens of children who had nowhere else to go have made a profound difference in people's lives. And yeah. Everything we can to help with that. I was should. reading a bit on it, and uh, yeah, apparently one of the reasons is that no gay couple has ever actually tried to adopt from the uh, Catholic organization, mostly because there are a bunch of others that don't have the name Catholic in it. So they had no problem adopting through other agencies, and therefore there wasn't any... There wasn't really any harm. issue. There wasn't any harm being caused. Yeah. That's the argument there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's kind of the same thing with the, like, gay wedding cake stuff. If one baker refuses it, unless that's, like, the only baker in a 500-mile radius, there are other bakeries. True. It's very tricky, though, and we talk a lot about slippery slopes. I mean, what if a baker decides not to serve um, somebody because they're Asian or because they're African-American? And the idea of a right to refuse service to anyone really led to a lot of, well, the Jim Crow era and not serving customers based on racism or other reasons. So, yeah, I, I guess mean, generally, I think that anybody who would call themselves Christian would be compassionate enough to sell a cake to anybody who'd like to buy a cake. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of things that I wanted to make sure we touched on because I wanted to see if they had risen to your news consumption radar. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu is out. Oh, yeah. He's Prime Minister of Israel. Did ha, you ha. That's not nice. But now, it's true. Have you come, like, did you see that? Have you seen yeah, that coverage? That. Were you like, that's fascinating? Or are you like, why do I, I care? I was kind of like, that's weird. Mostly because I'm trying to figure out how other governments work in electing a prime <laughs> minister. Right. Yeah, so apparently like, they like elect the representatives who then elect the prime minister. And because there are a bunch of different parties, the parties kind of have to agree sometimes. So apparently the super far-right nut jobs agreed with like the center-left-wing guys. Not because they agree on anything at all, just because they hate Netanyahu that much. That's what they agree on. Which, you know... I don't think could ever happen in American politics. Well, not anymore now that we have direct elections, basically. I mean, we do have the Electoral College, which is a form of representative government um, in our elections. But it used to be, you, you know, the House of Representatives, you know, you the idea was you would vote for people who would vote for president. People didn't vote for the president themselves. And for a long time, I don't think they voted for senators either. Yeah, I think the 17th Amendment. Yeah. So it's it's fascinating. It is interesting to see like how yeah, prime senators were chosen. appointed by the governor who you voted for, or did you vote for your state legislator who voted, voted for, for the, the governor who voted for the senator who voted uh, for the bills? And wow, that's uh, no. Who designed this thing? Well, it's part of why they call it a Republican democracy. As a republic and not a direct democracy. I like the direct democracy. It's becoming more direct, you know. Um, and it also was a model that helped preserve aristocracy, which is something that we see the political class you get in a lot of countries. Um, but it is really sort of fascinating. Germany's model is very similar. 
Um, England is not good. Different. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Apparently now the far right guys in charge of Netanyahu, ousted Netanyahu, who's also on the right. So yeah. we just move from the right to the right or right. Is he to the right or right? I didn't see that. Yeah, he is. Interesting. But like, but like, has to appease the center left in order to stay in power. Yes. It's all. It's really, really complicated. And so, will like this change anything in Israel? Or yes, I don't know. Netanyahu's been in power since I was like three, <laughs> which is crazy to think about. I just remember when the struggle between Netanyahu and his rivals, and there were very different visions for Israel, and it was a very tight race, and things have certainly changed um, along those lines. And you know, elections. Make think, a big difference. I think it was really the uh, firing rockets on civilians that probably but tipped him over the edge. It's also, you know, under investigation. and Oh, yeah. Isn't he, like, under indictment for, like, corruption or something? Something like that. Something like that. Fun. Yeah. Uh, on the political dealings and stories, we talked about changes in the American government structure and talking about with Netanyahu, who, had, you know, when he has held... Power. It's been by narrow margins, yet it's been a very different version of what would have happened had he lost by a narrow margin. Um, in the United States, we have a 50-50 split in the Senate. Have you seen the stories about West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin? Uh, yeah. If he doesn't like any bill proposed by the Democrats, well, if the bill doesn't require a filibuster, then he can just say, hey, no, I want, the, I want this, this, and this changed. And the Democrats just have to say, okay. That's kind of where we've gotten, though, in a completely, totally partisan Congress. Yeah, where there's, like, ten people who hold all the power because everyone else just votes with their party, and they're the actual people who vote based on not their party. It's called uh, leverage. Yeah. They have leverage, so long as they can survive a primary challenge. Well, of course he can. Because no other Democrat can win in West Virginia. It's well, West I, Virginia. But I, I think you're being too short-sighted in that. It voted 65% for Trump. There are a lot of Democrats who've won in West Virginia. Yeah, in like the small city pockets. You could also say there are a lot of Democrats in Wyoming. There are. There are lots of Democrats everywhere. Lots but of they couldn't everywhere. win the entire state. Well, many states have a long history of... Democrats being in power, like you talk about Kentucky, right? Mm -hmm. Kentucky voted uh, for Trump by a fair margin, but uh, it also has elected a Democratic governor and Democratic senators many times because the Democratic Party historically meant something different in the Mid-South than it meant in other parts of the country. Racism! Well, I... Yes. Mm, that, I mean, there was. That was an element, sure. But in many parts of Kentucky, it, there are Democrats who are in office who you would think were Republicans because of the way they vote and the beliefs they hold. Um, but it Why goes, do they call themselves Democrats? Because Democrats always win in those areas. And it's just been a, the way the party, both political parties, have changed over the years. But there are old loyalties to the names of the people who were in power before. And so there are people who... If you looked at their, wrote down, here are the things I believe today, and you believe those same things 40 years ago, you might be in the other party, but not know it. Uh, yeah, I guess. So, 
Manchin's has it. Manchin has a lot of power, and anything he disagrees with dies, or gets yeah, until unless Democrats can find one Republican senator who might vote with them on some things. Like, yeah. Well, if they could find one Republican senator who would vote with them, then Joe Manchin would also vote with them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting, and that'll put a lot of pressure on moderate Republican senators, those there still are, and other, you know, other Democrats who have to see this and know that, like, okay, we know Manchin is kind of a swing vote for things going back and forth. Look at the power he's getting and look what he's getting what he wants. Maybe I should be doing more of that, too. Yeah, but if they do that, then we'll get ousted in the primary. Maybe, maybe not. Senators only have to run for office every six years, and people don't remember six years ago when they're voting in an election. I remember six years ago. That was, what, 2015? Yes. Do you remember what your senators did six years ago? I didn't know I had a senator yeah, six years there ago. There you go. Exactly. That's why... That's why... I was, I was like, what, nine? Right. Yeah, and what were you doing? Playing Pokemon? I don't know, nine-year-old things, which is not reading the news. Well, all right, fine. How long have you been reading the news now? When you, since you got your phone, basically, right? When you were 12? Eh, mostly when I was, like, 13. Yeah. Once I was like, hey, the news is kind of scary. I'm old enough to handle it now. <laughs> because you guys really scared me of the news. Like, any time the news turned on, you'd be like, shoo. Well, yeah, because I worked in the news, and the news is you have to have uh, an adult capacity to understand that when bad things happen, it's terrible and tragic and have compassion for that, but also understand that to 99.99% of the people who live in your town, bad things that were newsworthy did not happen today. Oh, yeah. Kids have a hard time understanding that. Yeah. Mostly yeah. because they're children and they're all idiots. That's not true. Some of them are much, much smarter than you are now. Eh, kind of, but they're still little snot factories. No, well, yes. Sometimes? Yes. Sometimes? Yes. All right, fine. Yes. Well, when you have done a, an excellent job of listening to this entire podcast, and we really couldn't congratulate you any more forcefully if we tried but I do want to say and make sure you know that this podcast, like many good podcasts from top podcasters, is produced through the power of Post by Futuri. If you're looking to up your podcast game, make sure you take a visit to futurimedia.com and look at Post by Futuri. You've wasted another podcast with us. We appreciate it. Yep. And as always, I'm Ben, he's Tim, and this is me and my teen and the news. Goodbye. Goodbye.